Welcome to the Reclaim Your Rise podcast. My name is Lauren Bongiorno, a nationally board certified health coach and founder and CEO of Risely Health, where we help people and families impacted by type 1 diabetes take ownership over their lives so that they can transform with more freedom and confidence. Everyone has a different reason to be here. You might be seeking knowledge, support, or community, but at your core, I know that you long for something deeper. You're here for transformation. And that's what the Reclaim Your Rise podcast is all about. From the day you were diagnosed, Daddy and I told you this will never stop you from doing whatever you want to do. You will be able to do whatever you want to do. You just have to take different precautions. So when I woke up in the morning, I remembered that and I said, well, how can I tell her she can't go? Because the only reason I wouldn't be letting her go is because of the diabetes and I cannot let that be the reason. A quick reminder before we start the show that nothing you hear on the Reclaim Your Rise podcast should be a substitute for personalized professional medical advice. Please always consult your physician or other medical professional before making any changes to your diet, insulin dosages, or healthcare plan. Heads up everyone and take out your calendars because I have an exciting announcement to make. Oh, I've been waiting to share this with you. So on Thursday, November 2nd, we are kicking off National Diabetes Awareness Month with Drumroll please, Rising Above TUND, a live virtual event for reclaiming your life with type 1 diabetes. I promise you, I am not just hyping this up. This event is going to be epic and it's going to bring us all together from all over the world, all stages of diabetes, family, friends, caregivers, healthcare professionals. Spread the word because everyone is welcome and it is going to be a party, I promise. My in-studio co-host this year is Neil Greathouse, otherwise known on social media as The Beaties, and whom is also a coach on the Risley team. I want you to think of this as 90 minutes of like diabetes reality TV, where for a night, diabetes doesn't have to be clinical and doesn't have to be dry and doesn't have to be boring, but it's going to be something that combines community and connection and passion and energy and education and celebration and real conversations with an all-star guest panel and plenty of giveaways with a few surprises in store throughout. I see this truly as one of the most important things that the Risley team and myself do all year because it's a chance for all of us to really come together and remind ourselves and each other that, yes, diabetes is a challenge we didn't choose, but it is one that we can rise above. So Rising Above T1D is free to attend, but you need to register. So use the link in the show notes below to save your spot. And I also want to encourage you today to share that link with at least three people that you know would want to know, know about the event. It could be on social media, LinkedIn, through email, through text message, but go ahead, sign up yourself and then share the love with everyone else. All right, guys, see you there. Welcome back to Reclaim Your Rise, everybody. Today is a very special episode. I am so excited. Um, I just finished wrapping up the recording and I'm still honestly a little bit like just like shaky and trying to like regulate my body because it was a lot. There were a lot of tears. There was laughter. There was what I feel like kind of like healing in a way. Um, this week is my 23rd anniversary, which means that when I was seven years old, 23 years ago, I was diagnosed on November 1st, and it not only impacted my life, but it impacted my family's, and um, it, yeah, was, it's a lot, it's a lot to reflect on, and I 
didn't just want to do a solo episode. I wanted to bring my mom, Michelle Bongiorno, on because last year for this week and um, celebrating my 22nd milestone, I had my dad on. And so you can go back and listen to that episode, um, you know, from last year. But I thought it was my mom's time to come on. And I didn't know where it was going to go. I knew that there was definitely going to be some tears. And you're going to hear this in the episode, but there was, I think, as a child, not a lot of space. Um, for talking about our emotions with type 1 diabetes and it was just the way things happened where my mom just put on a strong face my dad did the same I just followed suit and so conversations like the one that I had with my mom today that it was probably we talked for an hour you're gonna hear like that was the like the longest we've ever talked and went in depth about my diagnosis and just the challenges of parenting a child with a chronic condition and you know the fear she had and the moments where she you know realized okay things are going to be okay and so um, I really like needed to record this episode with her and I'm so glad that I have this to always listen back to but I think that you are going to get um, you know hopefully a lot from it whether you're a caregiver um, who has a child with type 1 or maybe you have type 1 and you haven't really ever you know had a conversation with your parents or caregivers um, about you know, if you were diagnosed as a child, like how that impacted them and, you know, maybe impacted your relationship with them. I'm not going to, you know, go on and on in this intro because there's a lot that you'll hear in this episode, but I'm just so grateful. Also, this is like the first time having an in-studio guest. So if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to see we're like in my guest room in my house and my mom came in. It was like, such a nightmare setting up all of the podcast equipment to like get a second mic like you think it would be easy but like last night I'm like running out to Best Buy um to get this like adapter cord and everything and I I just all to say could we could have just done it virtually and I could she could have been in her home um and just recorded it but I I felt like it was I just wanted it to be more personal so if you are listening on the podcast whether it's at or on the podcast app whether it's Spotify or Apple or wherever and you do want to see us you can head over to Reclaim Your Eyes on YouTube. But before we get into today and the conversation with my mom um, I just want to share that this week don't forget if you are not signed up already Thursday November 2nd at 7 p.m. Eastern we are having a huge live virtual event I am co-hosting with my good friend and uh, Risley coach, Neil Greathouse. He, you might know him on Instagram as The Beaties. He is flying to New York. We are recording live from a studio. And the lineup of guests this year is like unparalleled. We have red carpet actors to professional soccer players to authors in the diabetes space, um, families uh, that have children with, you know, three of the kids have type 1 diabetes. It's just, it's so dynamic and it's going to be entertaining and empowering and magnetic and you guys are going to be involved in it. We're going to make sure that, um, you know, there's a whole chat box and we have a lot of activities that are going to keep you just engaged throughout the entire time because like diabetes can be dry and it can be boring and it can be clinical and we're like, we want lights, camera, and action. We want, we want to pump this up. We want National Diabetes Awareness Month for November to be something where we can celebrate like, yeah, like, you know what? Like diabetes is a challenge we didn't choose, but it is one that we can rise above. Make sure that you go ahead and register. We'll put the link in the show notes. It's free. You just have to save your seat. Um, Grab your popcorn. Don't forget to bolus and we will see you there Thursday night. All right, guys, without further ado, help me welcome my guest, my mother, my inspiration, my Wonder Woman, 
Michelle Bongiorno. Here we go. Mom, welcome to the show. I know that you're a little bit nervous to be doing this. Right before this, we were uh, in the kitchen just like talking about the episode and you were eating your yogurt and we were like starting to talk about what we were going to talk about and you were like, okay, I can't even finish this. I feel like I'm going to be sick. And I'm feeling like you're a little bit nervous. (laughs) I know. Of course I am. But it's all going to be good. We have a box of tissues somewhere. Do you have those? Okay. So dad's been on the podcast. Uh, He came on last year around this time and now it's your time to shine. And I feel like there might be a subconscious reason why I haven't had you on the podcast yet because I do feel like, like I'm even a little bit nervous. Like I feel like we don't talk about like the diabetes diagnosis and really like how it's impacted you or our family like on a regular basis. Like I think it because it's very emotional and it is it is and that's why even me coming here to talk about it today I had a little anxiety because yeah I you know we didn't really talk about it while you were growing up other than the day-to-day what we had to do to take care of it we didn't discuss feelings yeah at all That's an interesting point that you bring up because I feel like now parenting is so about like emotional consciousness of like getting to know like how your children are feeling and know that like all feelings are permitted and I never felt like I grew up where it was like a stern household like we were like super like emotional and loving as you and dad were to like me and Dana as well but it just was maybe like hard things were hard to let emotions come like come out of. Do you feel that? Well I mean I know why I never said anything to you about my feelings because I never wanted to make you feel sad you know so I always I felt like I had to put up that front like everything's good everything's gonna be fine you're good and it didn't really matter what my feelings were and that makes me really sad because I I I remember we were just talking about this that it was only like a few years ago that I think we I said something to you and I acknowledged like, hey, like how was that experience for you and like opened up the conversation? I think that was like a floodgate of tears for you. Of course, because I've never, ever said anything to you about my feelings. I mean, I I literally from the day you were diagnosed, I think it took me maybe like two and a half years. I cried every single day. We didn't get very far into the episode (laughs) without without the tears. Uh, Yeah, every single day. But, you know, it's... I I think I wasn't... Because I was sad for you at the time, but I would never want you to know that I was sad that you got that diagnosis. I just wanted to always give the appearance that you know you got this you agreed it's it's, you're gonna be fine because I did know in my heart you were going to be fine Mm. I didn't have any doubt about that but you know obviously you it was still like the unknown you know back then too when you were diagnosed you know uh in order to find out any information we had to get a book there was no internet really mm-hmm. so we had to read and 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 find out any information there were no real um there were like some support groups but i i want to say like once i had gotten on a phone call and it was um it was like doom and gloom 
it wasn't for me. What do you mean? Like the just the conversation was doom and gloom about somebody who was diagnosed with diabetes was you know they made it seem like it was a downfall and there was no hope like it just was very it wasn't my vibe it wasn't for me and I just tapped out right then and there and you know just daddy and I figured out how we were going to deal with it as a family and how we were going to deal with it with you and what our outlook was and it always was positive I mean at least I think I don't know what do you think I think it was a lot of positivity and I think that it yes years later which everybody who listens to the podcast or knows my story like years later I think I may have had like suppressed feelings that like came out where I had to almost like grieve my diagnosis or like understand what it meant for me and my identity specifically as an adult um that I don't think like I went through as a child but I wouldn't have I don't think I would have changed that because that my childhood really with diabetes like wasn't I wouldn't look back and say like it was terrible where it was like the it felt like the end of the world like you shielded me for a lot of those emotions as like I think a lot of parents do and I don't know if that's like a negative a negative thing so when you were when I was diagnosed what was the experience with like you and dad like how did you understand what diabetes was what was the process like for you like what was coming up I mean I can't believe it was 23 years ago honestly because when I think back to that day I feel like it was just yesterday and it was I remember it's so funny how you when you think back to something and you could just place yourself exactly where you were at that moment where you were sitting what you know what happened I remember um you know for a few days prior um you were coming home you were cranky you were you know I you were wearing some like a short sleeve shirt one day and I just remember saying gosh you look very thin and I mean you were always thin to begin with but you looked even thinner and and then you were getting up in the middle of the night um to urinate and that was like abnormal but I really never thought you know diabetes I I, I'm quite honestly I didn't even really know about diabetes that much other than I remember growing up my best friend Luann I remember her um aunts a few of her aunts had diabetes and that was my only you know from when I was like 14 15 I I remember that and that was the only thing I really remembered and I remember saying Laura making a doctor's appointment for you all right I better take you to the pediatrician just see what's going maybe have a UTI and you came home from school I'm like Lauren hurry up get your soccer stuff get your homework because we're going to the doctor you could do your homework in the doctor's office and and then we have you know soccer practice and you were like okay and we went out went to the doctor I told him your symptoms um the next thing I know he comes in the office and he says to me okay uh you have to I just called the hospital they're expecting you and I just, you know, I was in shock. I'm the hospital, what, what what are you talking about? And it's like, mm. she has, you know, a juvenile, they called it back then, juvenile diabetes. And I, I think I just froze. I'm, I was, she, he's like, oh, do you want to call your husband to go meet you? I was like, oh no, I can't call, I can't tell him this. I go, you're going to have to call him. 
please, can you call him? I cannot call also, him. Also, we just have to take a pause to explain this dynamic <laughs> yeah. more. So the relationship yeah. of my mom and my dad, love them both. Um, my dad is the one who, like, if there is, like, a mouse in the pool, like, he will scream and be like, Michelle, like, I need help to take the mouse out of the pool. Like, he grew up in, like, Queens, New York, like, not very, very much, like, a nature problem um well, not even like, just nature yeah, it's like, it's anytime when you were little let's say you fell and you were bleeding he would run down the block literally run down the block and and I'd right. be like Peter what would help me and he'd be gone right like, like he can't deal with like me or my sister getting hurt or not that or yeah. anything that just feels like some dads would stereotypically take care of and you're the one who was like always stepping in for that and you're like the like if there was like a like a problem or like a natural disaster like I would be calling you like not dad because he'd be like I don't know did you talk to mom like I don't know what to do (laughs) right so I get that and I just want to say too that was the first time at seven years old that I ever heard you cry I remember the doctor didn't tell you in the room I think he took you outside of the room because I I remember sitting on the just you know that like table the table that they put you on with like that you know just paper paper. and I remember sitting there there was like animals on the on the picture like on the on the room like and painted as like a banner and I was just like looking at the monkeys and the whatever and I was just like waiting for you to come back and I just remember you on the other side of the door hysterical crying and I was like what's happening like why I don't even I I never heard you cry up until that point yeah and then I remember you talking to dad on the other end of the door as well that was closed so and the doctor I think said something too so you must have called him handed it to the phone to dad you don't remember that those are my memories yeah I I remember saying specifically you have to call my husband I cannot call him and tell him this and I I think what happened was the doctor I probably got him on the phone and then gave it to the doctor and then took the phone back Maybe that's what happened. I, honestly, I don't even remember. Um, and then I just remember us getting in the car and driving to the hospital. And just everything happened so fast. So fast. And then daddy got to the hospital and he was a mess. A mess. So, of course, then I had to be, you know, the stronger person because he really was a mess. Yeah. And that's, if I could characterize our relationship growing up with diabetes, that's how I always, like, like I, in hindsight, and I also felt it, like, you were just the, like, we're going to get it done. You're testing your blood sugar. We're giving insulin. Like, we're just plowing through the day and doing all these tasks. And you were the one that I think was such an anchor for me that, like, if both you and daddy were falling apart like I think I would have picked up on that a hundred percent and I think where dad stepped in was more of like the mindset and more of the like you know the the, the nutrition right. and like the education piece where right. you were the like just strong steady pull that like anchored us all down I well I I felt like there was no other choice but to to this was something as we learned as you know the day went the days went on and you came home from the hospital and we had a crash course in how to inject insulin into an orange and how to now do it into you and you know giving us a glucometer and you're on your way mm-hmm. and 
it was in my mind I, I I just kept saying okay if we you know do the things we're supposed to do keep her blood sugar at a, a, a normal level and uh, try to avoid the highs and lows and you know this is going to be okay we're going to be fine like this is this is okay this is manageable this we could do this mm-hmm. and that was my mindset we got this and what do you think did you and dad have like a conversation like a powwow at one point where you're like this is how we're going to like <clears throat> I guess this is what we're going to say to Lauren or this is what we're going to instill in her or was it just kind of like instinct no it was definitely <laughs> instinct it was it was definitely um, more instinctual. Mm-hmm. This is what we have to do. This is what we're going to do, and we're all going to be okay. This is change. You know, it's definitely a major uh, change, but this is for the whole family. Mm-hmm. This change. It's not just for Lauren. It's just not for me. It's affecting you know Dana, your sister, uh, and all four of us are affected by this and we're gonna handle this together as a family well and I think too we have a really close extended family especially on your side so like your my mom's brother my uncle my aunt my two cousins and then your parents my grandparents not that we're not close with dad's side at all but it was just proximity and just like we just ended up spending a little bit more like a lot of time per week with them and so it affected affected them as well when you would leave us and so how do you think my diagnosis impacted the entire like even extended family unit or you could answer it as in like the four of us as well well I mean as you know, you guys never had a babysitter ever. It was only grandma and grandpa or auntie and uncle Russell who would, you know, babysit you if daddy and I, you know, had to go out or do something. Um, but so as far as uh, grandma and grandpa, you know, grandma's same. She takes the bull by the horns and she was, okay, you know, uh, I, I, there's no way I'm never not watching her. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to learn everything just like you're, you learned everything. And she was hands-on. Was that hard, like, to leave me for the first time oh, with someone else? 100% for the first time. It was, you know, I, I think we did it, you know, in increments. It wasn't like normally you would stay overnight. I think maybe for the first few times it was a few hours you'll stay there. Let's see how it right. goes and we uh, I was able to build up to um that. So you have and it's not like a bad thing, but I think you have a little bit of a controlling personality in the sense that like you like to be like like, you, like you're always driving the car if we're in the car, right? You know what I mean? Like you want to be in control. Yeah. So how did you do specifically with when I was with in dad's care or I was in grandma and grandpa's care or auntie and uncle Russell, whoever it was, and my numbers were like, I was going low or I was going high. Like, did you feel, because we didn't have Dexcom at the time, I guess. So you weren't No, seeing, you didn't even have a pump at the time. I mean, I think it was the first two years. two years you were on uh, injections. So, um, yeah, it, I, I, I mean, it definitely was, rattling and it was tough and it was difficult you know especially at the beginning because you know the lows that you had were low and 
it was so hard to gauge everything and so it was very difficult at the beginning i'm not going to lie but as you know time goes on like anything you get used to things and, and uh but it wasn't easy and i i do think you were you were great also you know it wasn't i knew you knew what to do mm. so as time went on you had you took control too so i that was kind of easing to me right um knowing that you knew what to do well and i think the parents that we work with at risely where their kids you know have type 1 diabetes whether it's newly diagnosed or for a few years or transitioning from like you know high school to college mm-hmm. those are the times where i recognize how important it is for the child to be taking ownership yes but also how challenging that is because at the same time parents are like I just want to I just want to do it for them like I don't want them to have to think about this oh yes a hundred percent hundred percent it was you know it that's a challenge it was a challenge and then not only that it was you know the school nurse I know she's a nurse but that alone I mean I would probably call her five times a day mm. just to check in is you know was she okay today where was how were her numbers you know because that back then it was a log you had to write down everything it wasn't in your phone you know a phone it wasn't um the technology has come light years from then but I also think like with your personality and with other parents personalities similar to yours like the Dexcom, which you know, right? Like there's yes. a, so I have, obviously I have Dexcom, but Dexcom share is where you can also have all of my numbers. Like if oh my, you wanted I, them, that you can been, have them. Like, that you know would have been I mean? the best thing you, ever. No, but I think it's the worst thing. No, 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 no. I think for parents, no. so you're telling me that you're going to go on vacation with dad, leave me with grandma and grandpa and not see my numbers and call them every five seconds. What did you, did you not give enough insulin to her blood sugar is going up or she's going down and did you know. have juice? There's no way. You would have been, so, had so much less peace of mind with that no I really? don't look at it that way I look at it that would have been I could see it I would know okay you're taking care of, I, I just feel I would have wanted to to see everything that's just my personality oh that's so interesting yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh okay you guys will have to write in for if you're a parent if you agree with that or if you agree with my side um but so I'm curious if you have any memorable moments or challenges like in a specific stage of me growing up that you were like that the most worried about me whether it was a period of time of like transition from a, a grade school to like a different grade or my first sleepover or like a point that you felt was really challenging or like me as a teenager too because I wasn't the easiest teenager I feel like well I feel like it was a couple of times I, I mean for sure it was I, I'm sure I don't remember specifically like your first sleepover but I do um, I remember that. You do? Yes. It was Tessa Barkin's house in... Oh, yes. In, yes, in school. Yeah. And we... There was a bunch of girls sleeping yes. over. Yes. Don't you remember that? I feel like I went over there a few times. I, I think you did. You might have. I think I did. And I went low in the middle of the night and I had orange juice right next to me and I woke up like all sweaty. Sweat, yes. And I... Like that. Okay, so now Dexcom share in that situation. You would have been woken up knowing I'm at somebody else's house and so you would, would have, have seen... Like, yeah, you would not... I would have been <laughs> driving my car. Hello. <laughs> 2 a.m. wake up call from Michelle Bongiorno. <laughs> yes. Give me my child back. <laughs> yes. No, but right, I do remember that. I remember I stopped there a few times during the evening and, um, and then 
obviously in the middle of the night, right? I remember. Do you want to know what's so crazy about that though? And that I can remember, I don't remember like all my sleepovers as a child, but I remember that one because I think it was my first one, but also I remember why I went low. Isn't that crazy that I can remember from 20, what, like 20 years ago why I went low? Her mom was, I think a baker. I don't know professionally or- But she loved to bake. Loved to bake. And she would make these pecans that were coated in brown sugar and they were so good, but we were all snacking on them. So I, my blood sugar went high and then of course I just, you know, miscalculated whatever, like how many carbs were in it and I went low but I think the mom might have also framed it as like these are nuts so they have a little bit of sugar but they're nuts so they're more fat like they won't spike you like cake or something like I remember and then I gave too much insulin and woke up at 2 a.m like at like probably 45 right so yes I remember that with you and I do remember I mean for me another big time was when you were in high school and you were going to Italy with the choir you wanted to go and I remember you coming home and sitting me down and saying, you know, I really want to do this. And, you know, the, the, it's our year to go to, the, to Italy. They go to Rome. We see the Pope. We sing for the Pope. I'm like, oh, wow, that's great. And then I remember thinking, oh, my God, she can't go. Like, how am I, how am I, how is she going? Like, this can't happen. And then I remember talking to dad and you know talking through it and I didn't say yes or no to you I probably led you to believe oh it's okay you're going to go but I I just kept thinking how is this going to work how how is this going to happen I I, she's in another country I just was so like my mind there was like thousand thoughts running through it and then I remember waking up one morning and just saying, from the day you were diagnosed, daddy and I told you this will never stop you from doing whatever you want to do. You will be able to do whatever you want to do. You just have to take different precautions. So when I woke up in the morning, I remembered that and I said, well, how can I tell her she can't go? Because the only reason I wouldn't be letting her go is because of the diabetes, and I cannot let that be the reason. So I'm going to have to suck it up, and that's it. You know, I have to let her go. And that was really, really tough. But you went. It was great, right? Yeah, and I was 16 at the time, and... That was about, yeah, so less than 10, like nine years living with with type 1. And I think for, and I wonder, and I do, we've never talked about this, so I'm actually really curious your thoughts about this. So I feel like I, as a person, I very much value freedom and like independence. Yes. And so as a kid where in hindsight, like your prefrontal cortex is not developed, like you're not the best decision maker, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to do dumb things. Like I feel like the I not that I was like a rebellious kid because I never did anything like crazy no. but just like I would fight back a little yes. bit like you would say no and I'd be like yes <laughs> and, and but it would always end up being no or I like get grounded or whatever but I don't know like do you think that came from diabetes or was it more just like my personality that no like, I think it's your personality okay <laughs> yeah I think it's definitely your personality you were always a strong uh, minded 
child from early pre-diabetes you always you know mm. you had something in your head and you were going to do it you were okay all in you okay. know so I I don't th- I do not think you were very quick to answer <laughs> yeah because I yeah no you were definitely strong-minded yeah because I was wondering like if it was more like oh me realizing like I quote-unquote like maybe not that I can't eat that or I you know just you know have to do extra things that other kids don't have to do as a child like I was wondering if that like framed me but it seems like it was more just you think it was who I was I think it was who you were and obviously the diabetes fed more into that so I yeah you know as far as what you just mentioned mm-hmm. but um no yeah. you were always like that well thank you for letting me go to Italy because <laughs> I had the best I mean it was like we like it was there were very long days and I wouldn't really call it a vacation it was a school excursion to Italy that I'm very grateful for but I think it did probably help you to prep me for and prep you for going to co- away to college right two years later yes exactly and that's also what I had in the back of my head thinking all right in two years Lauren is gonna go away to college and how you're going to handle that this is almost like a stepping stone if you will but um and it and I cannot not mention that one of your best friends mother was a chaperone and she is a doctor <laughs> so that made me feel also a little bit better that yeah. you know she was going to be there that you had but I mean I only saw her like one day I know. like we like crossed paths like one day it's like I, they, I don't even really think that if anything happened like she wasn't the one equipped to like uh, help me I know. I know. but I, I the time I didn't know that so yeah so I'm curious to know like for you there had to have been a point in time and I usually a- ask this question at the beginning of the podcast if you listen you would know um but if you know what's coming, the reclaim your eyes question. So where was there, you know, can you share a story of a time that you felt like you or you and dad reclaimed your eyes as parents of of a child that has type one diabetes, like a time where you felt, you know, we, we got this, we can do this. Um, it, you know, just like a, a flip of the switch happened. Well, honestly, the first thing when you see that, that comes to mind is the time I want to say you were probably 11 or 12 and what grade is that like fourth fifth yeah I, I want to say it was like fifth or maybe sixth, no, sixth grade. grade I think it was sixth grade and um you came home from school and of course we had to rush to go to soccer practice or dance or wherever we were going but and I knew it was going to be long. So I'm like, as soon as you got home from school, Lauren, hurry up. You have to do your homework first because we're, we're not getting home till late. You must do your homework first and then we got to get going. And you said to me, oh, mom, you know, no problem. My homework's going to be easy. It's not going to take me that long. I was like, all right, well, what's your homework? And you said, oh, I have to just write a one-page paper I'm like, well, that seems like it's going to take long. And you said, no, no, I, I know what I'm, I'm doing. I, I know exactly what I'm going to write it on. And I said, okay. I go, what? well, what's the paper? Uh, she's, so you said to me, oh, the question I have to answer is, if you could change one thing, what would you change? And Like in the world? Yes. 
And I remember automatically thinking, oh my God, she's going to write about diabetes. She's going to write about diabetes. And I, you know, like I just, my heart's just hurt. And, and I said, oh, okay. So, so what are you going to write? And you said, oh, I'm going to write my paper about, um, you know, cerebral palsy and how terrible and debilitating it is and uh, how the, you know, the children suffer. And I just remember, like right now, I just, my, my, everything just dropped right out of my body. And it was at that moment, I, I said to you, oh, oh, that's great, Lauren. That's so wonderful. And I, I remember leaving the room and just like having my, myself a little cry be, and a cry of just, oh my God, she really doesn't hate this. Like, her life isn't ruined. Like she really, it's okay. Like it's okay. And that was that moment mm. for me. And um, I'll never forget that. Yeah. And now I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> because I do feel like <laughs> the reason that I don't hate type 1 diabetes um, and didn't grow up hating it is because I think a big part of it is really just like it's in a crazy way it's like gratitude it really is and that you and dad a lot of dad like instilled in me that like everybody has a challenge in life this is your challenge and like you could have been handed so many other things and I know that that doesn't work for some people I know some parents don't love hearing when other people you know say oh well at least they don't have you know cancer or at least they don't have this or at least they don't have that and it's just like I don't know like for me like it was it's it's helpful to anchor into gratitude because it's just like I try not to focus on what I don't have and I just take it as like these were the cards that I was dealt and you just gotta like make the best of it and of course there's like hard days where you just feel like this sucks of course but in the big picture and big scheme of things like how could you not be just grateful in a way for the cards that you're handed when you know that there are so many people out there in the world not even just diseases but in just so many other ways struggling and in ways so much harder than than you and even just like all right I have type 1 diabetes but I have grateful you know I'm grateful for access to insulin and access to the technology and it's you know just looking at the glass half full um but I I, I'm pretty sure when I had dad on the podcast I have to listen to it back but like 98% sure that he told the same story so it might have (laughs) been really like his answer is the same to that question so that must have been like a big turning point for you for you both yes it, it really that was my aha moment that she is going to be okay she doesn't hate every day and she's gonna be fine mm-hmm. we're gonna get through this yeah you know so all right that was a turning point now talk to me about the role that research played for you because we got very involved with the Diabetes Research Institute Foundation and JDRF is another great organization, but you yes. guys felt connected to DRI because... Well, I think it was because and um, 
our main thing was because of the research because all their money went to research and the information that we well daddy had got on the phone immediately and um spoke with dri and we were impressed and it just hit us that their money everything goes to research and that's where the cure is going to be and and we were very much interested in that and and helping them get that cure like right and so we had fundraisers that we would have for how many years did we have them oh gosh so we were the founders of the best children's best hope for a cure dinner um we would have it at the jericho terrace in um mineola in new york and we would have over 500 people mm-hmm. and we did that for i think i want to say maybe four years we did it um and it That's was it? i think it was four or five years but we did different things too then we did the the you founded the the diabetes ambassadors, the diplomats, the diplomats the for, for the schools. And so we were very involved with them um, for years. And we raised, you know, quite a bit of money. And, you know, th- that was how we felt we were helping and we were educating people. And, right. and um, you know, it was a very positive thing for Daddy and I to do. Right. Well, that and that's what I'm getting at too. Like, I think raising money for research incredible, but any way that a parent, when you're feeling, it's kind of like when you're feeling helpless, helpless. Almost, like right. it's like to give to give back in some way or to like put that energy towards something positive. Right, and feel and have a sense of feeling like you're doing something about it. Like exactly. I think that that was what really helped yes. you. And as well. it, and and it that was our. Uh, you know contribution and and uh, it was great it was you know like I said you know we took you to the institute in Miami and Mm -hmm. you know we saw the scientists and we saw what they were working on and everything was very positive and then when we you know met Dr. Kenyon and found out she has a daughter you know with that was diagnosed at two years old or maybe just barely two and and how she works relentlessly every day to find a cure that really touched us and and we were very focused on um on that yeah for quite some time No, and I mean, getting involved with them now, like years later, like I was at a, uh, I, I rode at the bike ride on yes. Long Island. It was, we did surprisingly 34 miles. I've never rode more than two miles in my life, <laughs> like around the block. And I signed Chris and I up for a 34 mile bike ride. Um, but we did that and there were people there who were like, I used to come to those dinners like when we were younger and you were like, you know, eight, nine, ten years old and just to see full circle like how it's been a thread in my life and I feel like I distanced myself from diabetes for a good chunk like I think yes. ages I would say what like four definitely all of high school but like I think even like 13 maybe ages like 13 through 21 even or 22 like it which is a big stretch like almost like that middle decade I feel like I pulled away from diabetes because I didn't want 
to be associated with it, which was such a stark difference between the first 10 years of my diet, or less than 10 years, right. but like seven through right. 12, because we were involved so much. And so I guess, like, did you realize me pulling away, like, with my, I don't know, like, like you hear me talk about all now, like, the shame that I've had around my diabetes during that time and, like, not wanting other people to see my pump in high school or my relationship to food challenges. Like, now when you hear that I was going through that, like, did you know that during the time? And could you tell that? Or was it? Well, I knew about the pump and I knew you didn't want, you know, because back then, too, you were on a different pump and it was the, the wire tube. and... um so I know, yes, I was definitely aware of that. And, you know, and, you know, it was, it is what it is. And you, you know, you still handled it great. But I, and I got that, that you didn't want it exposed and you didn't want people to know. And, you know, that was just how at that time in your life you had to deal with it. And that, you know, was okay. I didn't know so much maybe about the food and as you, you know, went to college and, and those relationships with food and that, I, I I definitely at that time was not aware. And my attachment to like the number and the right. perfect A1C and the perfect this. And isn't it so funny? Like, don't you see, I didn't see it at the time, but how during that stage I was so much like dad, like with his obsessions about things. yes. Yes, now that in right. retrospect, 100%. Because I feel like I'm a lot like you in so many ways and like personality and like just a lot of different ways. But the way that my, what I got from dad, I think during that period was he's such an all or nothing person, but his didn't impact, he, he, he doesn't, it's not like an emotional thing for him. It's just like his personality of just, you know, when he wanted to, during the pandemic like take up painting and then right. all of a sudden he's like Picasso and we're like <laughs> I I, we don't understand how you're doing this and he's like well it's because I practice I I paint for nine hours at nighttime every day yeah. and like you're right. out, we're yeah. just like we don't daddy understand. daddy is an extremist exactly so that's the word he's all in he's all in and I think maybe by watching him and and that's the pieces that like kind of I picked up on of like if I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna like really pay attention to my diabetes like I'm gonna do it like the best possible way and I'm going to take out all carbs and I'm going to like remember when we were younger daddy used to do like the pantry cleanouts where you would bring home like <laughs> all the chips and it was like you would bring it home and it's like if you didn't get them in the first day that they were there like you wouldn't get them because they'd be like out the door the next right. day yes yes so I guess my question for you is like do you with relationship to food specifically as when I was a child like were there things that you did intentionally or unintentionally that you feel like impacted later on my relationship to food in a positive or, or negative way or just like the rest of the family were you I thinking mean, of that no 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 really? not at all I just you know every I'm a day by day person I take what I worry about today today I'll figure out tomorrow tomorrow I wasn't really thinking that far ahead. I just, my brain doesn't work like that. So I just would focus on, okay, today, how am I getting um, the family through today? How is Lauren going to, you know, be healthy and feel good today? That was really my only concern. And then the next morning, wake up, okay, today, how am I going to, you know, make ensure that Lauren has a good day and her blood sugars are at good levels today? Mm -hmm. And that was really how I operated. Mm. Yeah, and I think, to be honest, like most people 
operated, most parents I would say, operated like that at a time. I think now in the day and age, there's way more, there's way more conversation and acknowledgement of how, what, what you're, how you're parenting around specific things like, you know, your, your body, like language around a child's body and, um, you know, or food or all those like touchy subjects that like people as adults have troubles with. Like, so that wasn't even like a conversation. No, it really wasn't back then. It wasn't, you know, that was not a thing, if you will. Yeah. And maybe it's why we have so many adults in our programs who are, you know, ages 24, let's say through 40, the 40-ish like that, or even just above, like 20, 24, 25 and above, like when they were diagnosed as children, like they're all coming with these challenges of like fear of this or fear of that or not feeling like they fully accept their diabetes. And I think it stems a lot from, from childhood. But I think at the same time, like as a parent, it's really hard to like cover all your bases. Like you're going to, your child's going to get screwed up in some way. We all are products of our parents. Yeah. There's no, again, there's no manual you get when you decide to have you know children that you know guides you through okay what if your child gets diabetes how like it is 10 chapters on like what to do no Mm -hmm. it's just you you wing it (laughs) you just you know you do the best you can and you know at that time that's daddy and I thought that we were doing you know the best thing for you and that's um that's what we did yeah just to try to be positive and I think you guys did a really great job. I think how I was as, or what I, what I, like the self-discovery phase that I went through as an adult, like tracking back to like my childhood relationship to diabetes, like you guys couldn't have done, you know, anything better. I talked about this on the episode with dad. I think the only thing that I would have, you know, needed to hear is like, not that you're not different because that was right. a message that like, I feel like was like pounded it was like you're not different you can do anything you're not different you can do anything and that's the big reason why as an adult and a teenager I felt like wait like my job is to blend in and is to not show that I'm different and so what I would have wanted the language to be was like you are different like and different is okay but right and I'm sorry no it's okay (laughs) it's okay you did the best you could but you know what it is too like I remember one year I feel like maybe it was like in when you were in that uh, fourth or fifth grade and there was another child in the school who had diabetes or maybe yeah I I think it was somebody else and I just remember the the nurse telling me that you know that parent is demanding uh that the whole class doesn't have cupcakes for somebody's (laughs) birthday you know and you know and I that didn't hit, hit well with me because I was like, no, you can't tell every, like, what are you teaching that child that if they can't, the whole, like, everyone's got to now act, you know, differently. So it was, I, I think for me, hearing that, like, that just seems so crazy to me. I'm like, no, that's that's not how I'm going to handle it. I, I feel like that's wrong. I can't even remember what our, like, thing was but did you give me something separate or did you tell me to eat the cupcake like what was I think I told you to eat the cupcake I don't think that's bad (laughs) no I think I said just you know you'll eat the cupcake and maybe your blood sugar is gonna go high maybe don't eat the whole thing but right again I didn't want you to be like 
separate, like in a separate island from right. everybody. So that was my mentality. I, I don't know. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And I feel like the whole thing that I just said about like, I wish you would have said like different is, um, like you are different and different is okay. Like you could have told me that and then I could have had other challenges you know what I mean like as a result of that so it's a trade-off yes and I do believe as you know you're growing up I think it's hard enough growing up you have all kinds of challenges just being um an adolescent a teenager um a, a young adult like there's so many life challenges and new experiences and trying to figure out how to navigate and then on top of that you have you know diabetes and you have that on top of everything else mm -hmm. so it's you know it's it's challenging life mm -hmm. is challenging yeah it is life is challenging so I guess one of my last questions for you is did you ever think that I would end up <laughs> working in the diabetes space as an adult <laughs> I can answer that question with a thousand percent certainty Absolutely not. Why? <laughs> I, I just didn't see that coming. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> right. We just didn't see that coming. And I think also because of those years you talked about before where you were kind of uh, pushing diabetes. Not that you, you, I mean, you pushed it to the side, not in the respect of taking care of yourself because you always, I felt like you always took care of yourself and that was a blessing to daddy and I mm -hmm. knowing that you took care of yourself and you were not neglectful so that was our blessing I always felt but then so I think because of those reasons that you pushed it aside and it wasn't like a forefront who would have thought and, and not to mention there wasn't really anything like a, Unless you were going to be a doctor, like I, which I, right. you know, listen, you didn't do so great in science, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I can't imagine that you're going to be a doctor. Okay, so it was like chemistry <laughs> that was way. I was like, I'm tapping out here. That okay, was, we're gonna well, need a tutor I'm pretty sure <laughs> you need chem to be a doctor. Right? No, no, no. I so agree. I didn't see that coming in that respect, but I oh, and funny. and two, there was no real. What was the the space? then for diabetes like I really didn't see a big space well I don't think so it was it was endocrinology which we had I had the best two endocrine I've, I've only had two endocrinologists Dr. Ospuff shout out if you're listening to this love her and then my doctor now and bless with them but like yeah that's you know one category didn't see that for myself either then CDCESs which is like a newer profession compared to when I was diagnosed I they, it was like a, there was just nurses now it's like certified diabetes educators and pump right. trainers and yes. like more of like right. the support for the right. endocrinologists and the families um but like a lot of clinics don't even have CDCESs like my clinic doesn't um yeah but, and again that was you know when you were graduating college that I still don't think that I think maybe that was just starting right it wasn't there so I didn't see any option but I will say that it is amazing what you have done and how I just love how um, you have the opportunity to make a difference make the changes you know, again, when you were first diagnosed, Daddy and I had to read a book. We didn't have 
you know, it was hard to get in contact with another parent who had a child with diabetes. And, and even if you did meet a parent, it's not that you can't always say that they were on the same page as you were on. Right. So, um, so I, I just think it's amazing that you can speak to parents and help parents with their children and help the children. And, and it, it's just such an amazing space that you have created. And I mean, I, I don't want to cry again, but I, I, we cannot be more proud of what you have done and what you were, the business you were growing and how you were helping people um, is, it's just amazing. Well, amazing. Thank you. Mm. It's, it's very fulfilling, um, very incredible. Like our best days are when we see, you know, the members that we work with, whether they're parents or caregivers or type ones themselves, just like have that sense of like transformation of like, I dreamed of the day that I would feel this free from my diabetes or empowered or see these type of numbers and feel like it's sustainable. And it's just like, I want to help every single person with type one diabetes feel that way because it's just to live a life with diabetes when you're not held back just changes your perspective of what's possible for you and the world. And I'm grateful for, you know, the opportunity to be able to help as so many other people do as well. And grateful for everybody who listens to the podcast and supports Risley and um, grateful for you coming on. And I don't know if I tell you enough, but thank you for keeping me alive all those years. And thank you for sacrificing a lot of yourself for your kids <laughs> because as I get to the age now where I'm like thank you Chris and I are gonna you know have kids hopefully soon it's just like wow like it's so scary to think that like anything could happen and like what you think your life is going to be can just completely shift at any time and you are never going to be prepared for it and you just have to like take it and in many ways sacrifice your plans and your path and your time and your energy and and put it towards another human being so i love you i love you too you're my little girl Mm. okay i think we end on that note thank you everybody for listening to reclaim your eyes with none other than michelle bongiorno (laughs) my mom my best friend and I love you. I love you too, honey. And I'm so proud of you. And this space you've created is just, is just amazing. Thank you so much for being here with me today and listening to this episode of Reclaim Your Rise. To let us know that the episodes we're putting out are impactful and to help us get our street cred up and let everyone else know that this is something worthy of their time to listen to, please leave a rating and review on our Apple podcast, send the show to other people impacted by T1D or maybe even your doctor, and share it on social media tagging at Risely Health and at Lauren underscore Bongiorno. New episodes of Reclaim Your Rise come out every single Tuesday, so make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so that you never miss a beat. Thanks again for listening, and as always, remember, diabetes is a challenge that we did not choose, but one that we can rise above.